You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We move from the Q to the OHL, another CHL insider segment brought to you by our good friends at the store next door out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, collecting all the broken hockey sticks that they can get their hands on, making some really cool stuff out of it, cool items for your man cave or your sports bar or just uh, other uh, places in your house uh, if you got uh, kids and want to put them in their uh, their rooms if they're uh, uh, sports fans look great in there as well go to the store next door.ca and uh, check out their catalog uh, employing people with disabilities really helping out the community out there check it out highly recommend it we go to the OHL and the voice of the Ottawa 67s Old time uh, friend of ours here on the Pipeline Show, AJ Jackiebeck. Uh, welcome back to the show, AJ. How are you? Outstanding, Guy. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Exciting time of year as the finals in all three CHL leagues about to start this weekend. Uh, and in fact, by the time people are hearing this particular show, game one is in the books uh, in the OHL. Uh, but it uh, should be a great final as well. The Ottawa 67's been the top ranked team out of the OHL basically from start to finish this year. And the Guelph Storm have uh, really turned it on in the second half, really active at the trade deadline. This, to me, on paper, looks like it should set up to be a pretty interesting final. How about for you? Yeah, it's the two best teams in the league. Don't uh, be fooled by the fact that uh, it's the one seed against the four seed. Uh, I, um, I know some people were calling it even a Cinderella story for Guelph. I can't imagine a, a Cinderella team with 15 guys that, that went to NHL camps, <laughs> 11 drafted players, and four Canadian World Junior players. So th- this is uh, this is a stacked Guelph team. I wasn't surprised at all that they got through the West, uh, even uh, with tough opponents like London and Saginaw. I was surprised that they got down 3 nothing and 3-1 in their uh, respective last two series against London and Saginaw, but uh, what a resilient team, and obviously uh, what a highly skilled team uh, to get through the West, and uh, this Ottawa team, uh, the real deal, 106 points, a uh, franchise record, 50 wins, uh, tied a franchise record uh, from the 83-84 Memorial Cup team here in Ottawa, and uh, 12 straight wins to start the playoffs. Uh, it's only been done once in the OHL by uh, the Windsor Spitfires at 87-88, uh, in the 88 playoffs, uh, they only had three rounds of playoffs, and uh, they rolled through everybody, uh, led by Adam Graves, to, to win the OHL championship in 12 straight games. So um, now uh, a much tougher test. I don't think anyone is expecting a four-straight sweep. Uh, the regular season games between these two were both in the second half of the season, and that's when you really have to judge the Guelph team because that's when they picked up uh, the likes of Marcus Phillips and Nick Suzuki and Sean Dursey. Uh, and Mackenzie Entwistle and all the other players that they picked up post-trade deadline. And, and uh, the two games post-trade deadline, Guelph won 8-4, a game that Ottawa was at the end of a 3 and three where they played Sarnia and, and London on the road first, and they weren't very good at all in that game. And, uh, and, and what I described as one of the best games I've seen in my 23 years of covering junior hockey, especially in the regular season, a 4-3 overtime win in February – uh, where the 67s uh, uh, got on the, the better half of, of, of that result. Uh, and if that game is anything like what we'll see in this championship series, then this should be a doozy. AJ, you mentioned the word sweep a little while ago, and not to say that you, anybody should expect something like that. The 67s, though, have swept their way to the OHL final. They've been to overtime twice along the way, but outside of that, it looks uh, maybe on paper a lot easier than it has been. 
if they happen to lose game one or lose early in the series, what kind of a response do you expect from the 67s having not faced any adversity yet? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, though. They have faced adversity in games. Uh, the first seven games of the playoffs, um, there was no adversity at all. I, I'm with you on that 100%. They played Hamilton in round one, the team that they lost to a, a year ago. And, I, I mean, that was kind of foreshadowing in terms of what we would see this year for both teams. Of course, the Bulldogs uh, ended up winning the OHL championship uh, a year ago with a very good team led by uh, their head coach, John Gruden, now an assistant uh, on Long Island with Barry Trotz and the Islanders. Uh, that Hamilton team last year had six defensemen uh, that were 19, 20 years old, and none of them are back. Uh, the 67s team did not have a 19 or 20-year-old defenseman uh, last year, and they returned everybody from their blue line core, ended up traded, trading uh, Carter Robertson uh, away to make uh, room for Lucas Perrick so he could move into the top six as he is right now. So um, Hamilton had five players that, that played in the playoffs for them last year, and it was men v. boys in, in round one. They weren't tested at all in that series. And in round two against Sudbury, I expected more of a test. It really didn't come until game four of the series. They were able to chase Uko Pekalukunen in one of the games in Ottawa and scored eight on the Wolves, uh, you know, twice in that series, two eight five wins, one at home and one in Sudbury. Game four was their first test. It ended up going to triple overtime. It was the fifth longest game in OHL history, the longest in 67th history, and uh, they did face some adversity in that one. But, hey, when you're up 3 nothing in the series, it, it really isn't true adversity. Uh, I, I will say, even though they swept the Oshawa Generals, three of the four games were were very difficult. Three of the four games, uh, they they faced adversity in the sense that they were trailing or tied at, at some point uh, in the third period. Game one, they were down 4-2, uh, seven minutes into the third, and, and stormed back with four goals to win it 6-4, to four, including an empty netter. Game two, Oshawa scored early in the third period. Those goals, you always talk about the goals in the first minute or last minute of a period, and Oshawa scored early in the third to make it a 3-3 tie. Uh, how did Ottawa respond? Well, with scoring four goals uh, to win that game 7-3. to three. They dominated game 3-5-1, uh, a dumb decision, uh, in my opinion, by the Generals to play back-to-back, to play 3-4, and four, right after they had played a six-game series against Niagara. They wanted their home Sunday date. You could have easily played on Easter Monday. Um, you know, the crowd wasn't that great anyways in game three. But, uh, hey, if they wanted their Sunday date, they could go ahead and get it. And uh, they, they got steamrolled 5-1 in Game 3. And then in Game 4, uh, once again, uh, you know, they, they faced some adversity in the sense that they were trailing uh, all game long. Finally got the tying goal uh, in the last minute on a 6-on-3, two penalties, so one a puck over glass penalty, and then a, a bad penalty by Nico Gross, the Rangers prospect. He took some bad ones in that series and didn't play well at all in the Oshawa blue line. But, uh, you know, that, that led to the tying goal late, and uh, on the same power play, they, they scored in the first 20 seconds of overtime. So uh, I will say they have faced adversity uh, at least in four of the last five games, but you're right. How does this team handle something if it's adversity in between games? Uh, I think Based on how they've handled adversity in a game, I think they'll be just fine. They're a very grounded team. 
uh, a team that doesn't get too high or too low. Andre Tourney is coach of the year in the OHL for a reason. He did a masterful job of leading this team uh, through some highs and lows throughout the course of a season. I, I think they'll be fine. But until it actually happens, hey, you know, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? I mean, uh, they got punched in the mouth in game one against Columbus, and they weren't able to uh, recover. I look back at the 2009 playoffs, the Calgary Hitman team that finished with over 120 points and 60 wins, uh, and they breezed through the Eastern Conference with 12 straight wins, uh, including four straight over the Edmonton Oil Kings in, in round one. Uh, I remember talking to Dave Lowry a couple of years after that series, and he said Edmonton, even as the eighth seed who squeaked in uh, via a one-game playoff, won an overtime by Rhett Rachinsky and Prince Albert, gave them the toughest uh, run that they got in the entire Eastern playoffs. And once they got to the uh, WHL final and played a, Co- a Kelowna team that was more battle-tested, uh, you know, obviously they lost the first three games of the series. They came back uh, to, to force a sixth game but ended up losing it in overtime. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, that's where I think when I look at this series, I look at Ruan Noranda, uh 11 years ago. They lost to Gatineau. They won their first 12 games in the playoffs as well that year and uh, and and got in a hole in that series. So I, I think where you look at this, you have to say, okay, well, if, if this is a series that Guelph can get an early jump on, then, yeah, maybe the, the, they can catch the 67s and, and force them to face – some of that adversity that they haven't felt in between games uh, when they're trailing in a series, which obviously hasn't happened. But if this series goes deep, you know, there's, there's the other factor, which is Guelph has played back-to-back seven-game series. I look at a dominant Sault Ste. Marie team last year that everyone expected uh, to win the OHL championship, and then they got tested with seven-game series in round two and another seven-game series in round three, uh, the final ended up going six against the Hamilton Bulldogs, and I wonder just how much uh, the Greyhounds might have run out of gas as that yeah. series progressed. So if this series goes six or seven, then I think it's advantage Ottawa 67. If Guelph is going to win it, in my opinion, they're going to have to get the early jump and, again, punch Ottawa in the mouth and see how they respond. Hey, dude, Jack, you're back, the voice of the Ottawa 67s and a number of other sports uh, in uh, Ottawa uh, on a TSN uh, twelve six uh, twelve hundred uh, TSN twelve hundred in Ottawa. My guest here, the CHL Insider, on the Pipeline Show today. Uh, all right, for casual fans, maybe fans out west or out east who don't follow the OHL obviously as closely as uh, as you would. Who are the go to guys on this Ottawa sixty sevens team? I could ask you about probably ten different players, but. Um, I think there's seven guys who have uh, NHL ties now, a couple guys who will be drafted this year, I'm sure, as well, uh, added to that list. Um, there are a lot of players that you could tell me are the uh, the go-to guys on this team, but who are uh, four or five or six that, that immediately come to mind? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's so hard when you talk about Ottawa because their strength is in depth. Yeah, And, and Guelph, obviously with 15 guys going to NHL camps, would, would be the same way. Uh, but I, I think Ottawa does have the advantage in depth. I, I think Guelph probably has a little more star power when you look at Dmitry Samarukov on the back end, uh, the Oilers prospect that has played so well uh, with a hat trick, for example, in one game in the last series. Uh, I'm not sure Ottawa is a defenseman as good as Dmitry Samarukov. I'm not sure they have a, a forward as good as Nick Suzuki, who leads all 
players in the playoffs with 31 points, and he's been an Ottawa killer. Uh, you know, in in all years past, going back to his days in Owen Sound, he's played three games against Ottawa this year because he played one for Owen Sound and two for Guelph, and he's got nine points in those three games, the Habs prospect. I mean, I love Nate Schnarr. I mean, Radcliffe's a, a first-round pick. So, you know, there, there's some great star power on the Guelph Storm. The 67s are, are more of a team that beats you by committee, and I think when you look at uh, what they do, they, they beat you because I, I talked about the 05 team uh, that ended up going to the Memorial Cup here from Ottawa, and they had, you know, they, they lost to London in the league final but got there because London was hosting it, that great Knights team, and uh, that was voted uh, best team in CHL history. That team uh, from the 67s had three balanced lines, and they were like three second lines. This team has three balanced lines, and they're like three first lines. I mean, the, the number three line on paper here, uh, has Mitch Holscher, a New Jersey Devils prospect, real smart player, in between the two overages that they acquired at the deadline, and, and Kyle Maximovich and Lucas Chioto, both with a lot of playoff experience, in particular Maximovich, who played on those eerie teams going back to the Connor McDavid days, to the to the time that they won the league and ended up going to the Memorial Cup. So that is on paper, at least as it's listed, the third line. But uh, you know, you, you look at Maximovich. Uh, he's got a point in every game in these playoffs. Uh, Chioto and Holscher had 11 uh, straight games where they had points in the playoffs before uh, they swept things in, in game 12 against Oshawa. So, and they lead this team at least uh, when you look at combined points by each line, that's the leader. So it's like, okay, well, isn't the Shemilevsky line number one or isn't the, the Ty Feliber line number one? I mean, Ty Feliber scored 59 goals in the regular season he had 11 goals he, he went scoreless this is why this Ottawa team is so tough to defend he went scoreless in round one and they didn't beat I mean, a lot of teams if, if you got a 59 goal guy that doesn't get a goal and really is kind of quiet in round one you'd say well what's what's the, the problem there but you know you, you can't just focus on one guy or one player um, but you know you got that Feliber line with Cody Clark and Marco Rossi, who I expect to be a high pick in next year's draft. The Austrian who played last year in the Swiss second division, and then you've got the Sasha Shomolevsky line with Austin Keating and Graham Clark, a guy that should be you know a second or a third round pick maybe in this this upcoming NHL draft. Uh, scores the the highlight real goals, the lacrosse style goals on a regular basis, uh, and Shomolevsky who might be Ottawa's best player the San Jose prospect who starred for Team USA at the World Juniors. So, And then a fourth line that includes Jack Quinn and Sam Bitton, who both had more than half a point a game over the course of the regular season. So you got 11 of the 12 forwards that had half a point a game or more in the regular season, and 10 of those guys have half a point a game or more in the playoffs. That's kind of unprecedented. I kind of liken this team to you know, like the Blue Jays of five years ago, a murderer's row type where you get to the bottom of the order seven, eight, nine, and you just can't let up because they might hit a dinger just like, you know, the guys in the heart of the order might. And that's kind of how this team rolls as well. You just don't get any break uh, from line one to four, and in particular those top three lines. On the, on the back end, um, you know, it's, it's a physical defense. It's maybe not a physical team, especially when you look at uh, this group up front, but – uh, with Kevin Ball, uh, an Arizona prospect that I think is going to play in the World Juniors next year for Team Canada. Uh, Nikita Hutchuk, who might play for Russia the World Juniors next year and, and should be a round two, three, or four guy 
in the draft this year. Hudson Wilson, a, a veteran at, at 19 years old, and, and Merrick Rippon, who I think might uh, draw some interest as an undrafted player, uh, his second time through the draft. Uh, you know, those four guys can all move the puck, but they're all really physical as well, and they complement a guy like Noel Hoffenmeyer, an Arizona pick that uh, is kind of the power play quarterback and and a guy that can produce offense from the back end. So, um, And then in goal, you've got Cedric Andre, 34 wins over the course of the regular season, and he's the backup to, of course, Mikey DiPietro, who was Canada's goalie at the World Juniors, has won a Memorial Cup, and has been one of the best goalies in the OHL since uh, the time he arrived as a 16-year-old. So um, there, there really is no weakness. That, that's the strength of this team, uh, just how deep they are. Uh, they're well-conditioned. They're, they're a team that, uh, uh, you know, once you get to the third period, once you get to overtime, or in the case of the Sudbury game, multiple overtimes, they, they don't get tired. Uh, so, you know, the depth helps, but just how well-conditioned they are helps as well. And um, th- that's why this team uh, is so difficult to beat. But, you know, a team like Guelph, you know, I, I didn't really feel going into either of the last three series as good as Sudbury can be, as good as Oshawa could be, that in a seven-game series, Ottawa could be beat. Yeah. But I do feel differently in this series. I do feel that if both teams bring their A game, that we're going to see a series that goes six or seven games, and uh, and, and we're in for a whale of a series. So that's, that's why I'm so excited about this series, because I, I truly think we're going to see two heavyweights going toe-to-toe that uh, are capable of winning this series and, and capable of doing very well at the Memorial Cup if they get there. Speaking of the Memorial Cup, we're going to end it with this question. Uh, right now, we know Roy Naranda and Halifax will be there. The Huskies of Roy Naranda, the number one ranked team in the CHL. Also still alive, the PA Raiders, who are the number two ranked team, and the 67s, who are the number four ranked team. The top team from each, uh, all three leagues, still alive and could get to the Memorial Cup. I don't know the last time we've seen that where the top team, and this has been pretty much all season for those three teams, being the, the top-ranked team out of their respective league. When's the last time you can recall that it was uh, that potentially could be uh, the setup for the Memorial Cup? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd have to look at that uh, myself. But excited to see it. And, and boy, if Andre Tourney gets there, I mean, uh, how, how great would it be for him, uh, mm-hmm. a, a place in Rouen, where he coached for 10 years, a place in Halifax where he coached for one year, and, and good on Bobby Smith, right? I mean, Andre Tourney uh, was an assistant coach with the Ottawa Senators, and his wife had a, had a great job here in Ottawa. So when he took the job in Halifax after the coaching change, and they brought in Guy Boucher um, because he worked with Dave Cameron uh, on the previous staff. So after that, um, he, he was in Halifax and the family was still here in the Ottawa area as his wife stayed back with, with, uh, the kids, uh, working her, her job. So, um, when there was an opening here in Ottawa, Bobby Smith, who of course owns the Halifax Mooseheads, but not only that is a former Ottawa 67 and still with great ties, uh, to the team. And Brian Kilray uh, called Jeff Hunt and said, you know what? I, I think I've got a coach for you. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been a, a match made in heaven. So, uh, yeah, imagine. Andre Tourney going back in a Memorial Cup that features uh, Rouen, Halifax. And, you know, from my perspective, uh, you know, either Prince Albert or Vancouver would be great. But, uh, you know, I started in junior hockey back in the 
1996-97 season in Melford, Saskatchewan, doing a four-month work experience covering the Humboldt Broncos, the Nippon Hawks, and the Melford Mustangs. It was the first junior head coaching job for one Mark Habscheid. And I moved on to my first major junior job in 2000-2001, working alongside Regan Bartell. That was his first year there as well, moving over from Swift Current. And who was the Kelowna head coach at the time? Of course, it was Mark Habscheid. And uh, uh, just through the Perry Pern hockey camps as well, uh, which my dad uh, is still involved with, uh, you know, Curtis Hunt uh, ran the Regina one for, for a long time uh, uh, for Perry and my dad. And so uh, so a very good family friend as well. So. I'm kind of rooting for Prince Albert uh, for those reasons because uh, certainly I like uh, both Curtis and Mark. And just, you know, what can you say about a city that hasn't been able to even get to a WHL final uh, since 1985, a 34-year wait? I mean, for Ottawa, it's been a 14-year wait. Uh, This was, uh, you know, a franchise, and maybe I'll finish with that. This is a franchise that uh, for a lot of years was kind of one of the one of the best franchises regarded on and off the ice. Uh, you know, they, they led CHL attendance for a lot of years in the mid-2000s when they were getting well over 9,000 fans a game. And, you know, things kind of changed in 2012. They had the renovations uh, to the Civic Center, now TD Place, because they wanted to uh, attract football there. And obviously they got the team, the Red Blacks team in. They've been highly successful uh, and, and they transformed Lansdowne Park into what it is now, which is fantastic. But, you know, Ottawa was forced to play two years out at Canadian Tire Centre. It coincided with uh, two years where they weren't very good and missed the playoffs. Uh, they came back, and the landscape had changed completely in the city. Not only did you just, you know, before you just had the Ottawa Senators. Now you had a, a football team that ended up being highly successful on and off the field. Uh, you brought in a soccer team as well, and, and the 67s kind of went to the, the bottom of the heap when it came to uh, interest level in this city. And, you know, this year, uh, you know, between winning, and, and that's certainly a big part of it, but, you know, they've done a good job marketing as well, uh, trying to attract people with different types of promotions. Uh, and, you know, late in the season, you could see crowds of five, 6,000. And now into the playoffs, you're getting crowds of seven, 8,000, and I expect even more uh, for the first two games of this series. So it's just great to see Ottawa as kind of one of those model franchises in the league once again after uh, a few years where uh, you could shoot a cannon uh, through the arena and not worry about hitting anybody. So uh, that, to me, is good news as well because uh, we want the business of junior hockey uh, to be uh, profitable throughout this country. AJ, as always, great, uh, great to catch up with you once again and, uh, just a plethora of information, uh, as always. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, have a great call during the OHL, uh, final and, uh, maybe we'll talk to you again once, uh, the Memorial Cup rolls around. All right. Cheers, Gee. Look forward to it. There's AJ Jackubeck, who, uh, I called on Twitter probably the best guest, uh, to ever have on a show because, uh, I, I looked it up. And I asked him a grand total of four questions in that uh, interview, and uh, he carried it for over 20 minutes, almost 23 minutes. I think the maybe it was five questions because at the start I did ask him, you know, how are you doing today? Uh, so I guess technically it was five questions, but it's uh, and he he responded on Twitter saying, uh, "Well, that's being long-winded," and it's not because long-winded to me is more descriptive of somebody who just rambles. 
Uh, AJ can talk at length, but it's always informative, and uh, you know uh, he's, uh, he's got strong opinions as well. So it's not just rambling. Um, uh, AJ's just a great guest, and uh, I thank him for that rather extensive and in-depth preview of the OHL final. one nothing. the Ottawa 67s lead that series. It's also one nothing in the WHL final. The Vancouver Giants, with a win in uh, Game 1 in Prince Albert, get a preview of that series with the help of the voice of the, those Vancouver Giants, Dan O'Connor, next here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, it's Michael Rasmussen and the Tri-City Americans. Collected by Elgison, thrown away Sandu. Slot Rasmussen, he scores! A natural hat-trick in the first American hat-trick in three years. How about that? And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Ah! 